This is Subjectively Correct Sports, the only podcast in at least this region of the known universe. Guessing. I don't know. At least this part of the galaxy. The only sports podcast in the state of Texas. The only one happening in my home office right now, featuring a couple of guys talking about sports, namely me, Anthony, and you, David. Hey, David. Anthony, how you doing? Pretty good. You can find the show. Obviously, you found it, so congratulations. Well done, but tell your friends you can find the show on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. Please subscribe, like, leave a five-star review. You can leave... A four-star review on those platforms that are four out of four. But if it has the option to go up to five, go to five. If it has the option to go up to ten, do ten. What I'm trying to say is give us the highest rating possible. Um, Just because we have very low self-esteem. And please check out our website. There's nothing there, but it's a good way to send a link to your friend if they're, you know, not technically savvy. Everything's there for them to just click on, and if they have a smartphone, it'll automatically take them to the app store or whatever, their podcast app, to uh, to download the show. Did you mean technologically savvy? What did I say? Technically savvy. Ah, technologically savvy. Thanks, David. You're very word savvy. Appreciate it. I, I am a wordsmith, according to a friend. <laughs> he called me a word doctor at first, and I was like, that's a little too much credit. There are actual word doctors who have doctorates in words. I'm not one of those, but I, I would consider myself having a certificate in words. I'm a wordsmith. <laughs> you can go to that website at www.subjectivelycorrect.com. You still haven't gotten to that? Twitter, at subcorrect. You can follow me, at A.G. Montague. David, at D.P. Henderson, 1515. And email the show. Thank you for our listener who emailed the show. David happens to d- disagree with everything you say, but uh, it's subjectively... You know who you are. <laughs> you know who you are. Subjectively correct at gmail.com. How was your week, David? I had a great week. Last week was super fun. Having a, a whole week off of school, taking that break, spending a lot of time with my kids. It was awesome. I spent some time with you too, so that was, you know. But it wow. was it was I've really never nice to spend. It's been awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, never... I mean, it always sucks going back to work, but uh, Thanksgiving was awesome. And yeah, the the end of my explanation of that Thanksgiving is awesome. What I loved is that you became the uh, the forty five year old uncle who, after eating our Thanksgiving dinner, just uh, fell right to sleep on the couch while every while there was like six or seven kids running around, lots of noise. The cats jumping around. There were guests. We, we had, had guests. We had company. Yeah. And you I, just <laughs> fell right to sleep on the couch. No. Perfect. So that everyone understands, I am not 45. And as I was laying down on the couch, as I walked into the other room, thinking, I'm going to lay down for a minute, that thought crossed my mind. I thought, I'm the, cre- I'm, the, I'm the crazy uncle who falls asleep on the couch after Thanksgiving. That's what I've become. And you know what I did after having that thought? I laid down on the couch and I took a nap. You ceased to have any more thoughts for about an hour. I, I ran out of I ran out of cares to give. I did. Uh, it, you know, it was a great week. Thanksgiving week's always a fun week. Um, I didn't get all week off like you did, but just a, the few days off I had were were awesome. We got some ping pong in. That was nice. Um, and also got to watch a fair bit of sports. So I'm excited to talk about that this week. Um, I think the the most action right now is happening in college football just because we're getting so close to the end of the season. And the playoff is starting to take form. I mean, 
uh, the second, third, and fourth seeds are starting to take form. <laughs> yeah, there's no question about who the number one seed is, right? And I guess we can jump uh, jump right into that. So there's really six teams uh, left in college football who have a shot at making the playoff. The one seed is going to Alabama. There's a very slim chance that they lose their the SEC title game to Georgia. If they did, they would still be in the college playoff. I think when you say those words, when you say they might lose the SEC championship <laughs> game, our uh, fans of Alabama, all they hear is... <laughs> Let's talk about this Alabama team for a minute. I think they are the most dominant college football team in the modern era. I'm having trouble thinking of maybe one of like the the late mid late nineties Nebraska teams. Maybe there were some Miami teams that were pretty dominant. There were dominant. some Miami teams that were really good. But but think about this. Here's here's a stat for you to chew on. They have four wins this season over tw- top twenty five ranked teams. It'll be five if they win next week against Georgia. It could end up being seven if they win the mm-hmm. college football playoff. And go undefeated. Uh, they they win next week and then win the college football playoff. But not only are they winning against high ranked teams, they're destroying high ranked teams. They have not won a game by less than twenty two points this season. So so their their smallest margin of victory, their smallest margin of victory is twenty two points. Yeah, their closest game was against Texas A and M, and they won forty five to twenty three. The Texas A and M who just beat. <laughs> The seventh-ranked LSU Tigers. Yeah, Go Tigers. that just put up 74 points on the Tigers. Granted, that was in a crazy game. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, and, yeah, so, so that game, well, let, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. But Alabama, like I said, they beat four top 25-ranked teams. Clemson, sitting second right now in the rankings, they've beaten one. Um, they don't have very many strong wins on their schedule. Uh, next week they play Pittsburgh. Not, I mean that's, yeah. The, the, there's no other team currently uh, in contention that has as many high caliber wins as Alabama. So you can't. It's not just a, uh, uh, the fact that it's Alabama and they have really high name recognition and they've been so successful for so long. So you think the voters are are giving them a nudge for that. No, it's the fact that they really are the best team and they're beating every other good team they play by no less than three touchdowns. It's crazy. Now, I can't remember a team doing that. The fact that they're not just beating these top-ranked teams, but putting the beat down on all of them. I mean, we talked a little bit before the beginning of the season about Tua Tagovailoa not winning the Heisman because he doesn't play in the fourth quarter ever. Yeah, yeah, he he, uh, he far and away transforms this team. They've obviously they've been good for however long Saban's been there. It feels like a decade now. Is it that long? I don't know. Um, but what they've never had is a five-star quarterback. I mean, maybe they've actually had like a five-star recruit at quarterback, but they've never had one who's performed like that in college. Never a Heisman candidate type quarterback. Yeah. I mean, when's the last time uh, an Alabama player? was talked about for the Heisman. Most of, most of the time, their best players are defensive players or running backs or something like that. It's never a quarterback, and it's usually quarterbacks that get talked about for the Heisman these days. We should mm-hmm. just change it to the quarterback award. Yeah. I mean, when's the last time? I'll, I'll look that up real quick, but I don't know the last time a, a non-quarterback won the Heisman. Did Saquon Barkley win it? If I would have known that, I would have... I don't know. I'm looking yeah. it up right now. No, I'm, I'm trying to... I, I think he may have won it last year. But um, the other teams in... Uh, 
in contention. We said Clemson. They're essentially a shoe in at this point. They have to win their their uh, ACC title game against Pittsburgh next. Uh, this was coming that the weekend. Rock? What was the Rock on this list? No way. Oh, that's Eddie George. He Eddie. just was wearing glasses and now squirreling quickly, and they're both bald. The Rock most definitely has not won a Heisman. Quarterback, quarterback. Derrick Henry was the last one in 2015. That's my bad. Quarterback, 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 running back, quarterback, 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 running back, quarterback, 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 running back, running back. Ooh, two in a row. A cornerback slash punt returner. Oh, the Charles Woodson here. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. So basically it's a quarterback or running back award. Yeah. Or a Charles Woodson award. Yeah, you have to be pretty stellar at your position and if you're not a quarterback to win this. I mean, you have to be stellar as a quarterback too, but you have to probably break some records or – um, also probably have to be like on a number one ranked team like Charles Woodson was. And the fact that he returned punts, I think, helps him too. So he was putting up those spectacular plays and, and returning punts, mm-hmm. and that'll get you a ton of attention because you're scoring points for your team and stuff like that. I don't think a straight corner would, would ever win the Heisman unless, yeah. he, unless he ran back 18 uh, interceptions for touchdowns, you know what I mean? Yeah, the most recent defensive player that, that uh, garnered a lot of attention, I guess, and was a Heisman candidate was Manti Teo. And um, that was just, I mean, the Notre Dame defense that year was awesome up until the playoff, at least. And he uh, he led that defense. So, um, so like I said, Clemson, if they lose, they're probably still in the college playoff. But, I, I mean, I don't think they're going to lose. It's Notre Dame, they're just chilling at home. They don't have a title game. So they're in, regardless of what, what happens this weekend. And the next three teams all have a shot at, at this four seed. Uh, you've got Georgia playing Alabama. If they win the SEC title game, they're in. They'd have the same record as Alabama, and they would have beaten them head-to-head. And Alabama would still be ranked number one. Yeah, I really I mean, feel that way. May, I really do. Yeah. I think if Clemson stays undefeated and Notre Dame stay undefeated, they probably take the one and two spots, but it should be Alabama. Um, Georgia, they win, they're in. If they lose, they would also need Oklahoma and Ohio State to lose to, to be in. Uh, Oklahoma plays Texas, who is their only loss of the season, right? So they earlier in the season, I think like their fourth game or something like that, uh, Oklahoma lost to Texas, which seemed like a bad loss at the time because Texas has not been great the past few years. But they ended up ranked, uh, well, I think this week they're about maybe 14 or something like that. So it doesn't look so bad now. Uh, and they get a chance to, to avenge their loss. They win. They're in if Georgia loses, right? So Oklahoma needs some help from Georgia. And then Ohio State uh, needs some help from Georgia and Oklahoma. Um, they need to beat Northwestern, which they probably will. Northwestern's, you know, some ranked somewhere in the 20s. So it's not, it's not a gimme, but chances are they'll, they'll beat them. Now, none of this is like mechanical. So it all comes down to the voters. I think what I'm saying is like this is what's most likely to happen if, if these scenarios played out. Um, but it really does come down to the voters. So there is the chance that someone that's currently in the top four doesn't make it, even if they won. I don't think that would happen. Uh, or a chance that Ohio State, if they win and Georgia and Oklahoma both lose, somehow doesn't get in. That could be. Uh, you know, because of the drama from Ohio State earlier earlier in the season with Zach Smith and, you know, taking it out against the team in that way. Uh, we'll see. It, it will be very interesting to talk about if that's what happens. Uh, I think what happens is Alabama wins and they're in. Clemson wins and they're in. Notre Dame doesn't have to do anything. They're in. And uh, I w- if I were 
betting, I'd probably say if I'm saying Alabama wins, I'm saying Georgia loses and they're out. And I probably think I probably say Oklahoma wins and they're in. Dark horse Ohio State. We'll see. Can we talk about LSU now? Please do. All right. So I wasn't paying attention to that game. I had other things going on. And uh, our brother-in-law, Matt, was at the Utah-BYU game. So Utah-BYU is a big rivalry game. So he went to that game, and he was there repping the repping, uh, University of Utah. And, uh, well, what are you going to do, right? Mm. Is there is there, like, legit family contention with that? Because I just, like, look at it and go, ha-ha, and that's the end of it. But is no. there legitimate family contention between the BYU alum and the Utah U, uh, the University of Utah supporters in the family? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I don't really give it any thought. Okay. Maybe. So I think if I don't yeah. give it thought, and if you don't give it thought, and we're the biggest sports guys in the family, I don't think. Well, I don't know. I think well, Matt and Colt might take an I, exception to. I us. don't know if we're the biggest sports fans in the family, but I, I also I know for a fact that we are not the most loyal to any of those teams, right? Yeah, like when when BYU is good, I'm like, okay, cool. My dad went there. That's nice. And when Utah's good, I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. But when BYU is bad, I'm like, okay, that feels normal now. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I, I, like you, I don't feel attached to either team at all. I, I, yeah, even though I like sports, uh, in my entire time in college, I went to half of a football game. Like, one half. I left at halftime. Because I didn't, the seats were too hard. So, your, dis- <laughs> your discomfort drove you away from the game? Yeah. I'd rather just watch it at home. I, I do like a comfy tushy while I'm watching football. While I'm watching other guys sacrifice their necks and their backs, I like to have a soft, comfy tushy. All right, well, so tell us about this LSU game. I actually have buns of steel. <laughs> I, I've never had a soft tushy. I used to do a lot of like squats and like leg curls and stuff like that, so I had that nice firm tushy. Mm. But I like to have my nice firm tushy on a nice soft cushion. See mm. what I'm saying? Okay. So my firm tushy mm. is cozy on a comfy place. Okay. Well. What I'm trying to say is I have a nice firm tushy. My family right now is thinking, you don't, actually don't have one at all. Yeah. That's the joke in the family. It's, it's like right from back to hamstrings. My joke in high school was, my coach has chewed it off. Get it? Because the coach has chewed your butt out, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You've heard that phrase before? Yeah. Yeah. So my joke was, if this keeps happening, I'm just going to slide right off of chairs because I don't have a butt to sit on. You um, you heard about the uh, the woman who backed up into a propeller. Disaster. So, I'll be good in a second. Sorry, I'll be good in a second. Okay, okay, that's one of those where I knew it was coming. Yeah, but I couldn't stop myself from laughing. Okay, LSU and Texas A&M played a crazy game that went into seven overtimes. And like I said, I wasn't watching it. I watched the highlights the next day, but I couldn't believe the back and forth. One of my favorite parts of this game is that Ed Orgeron, coach of LSU, got a Gatorade shower, not a Gatorade bath, but got a Gatorade shower. Anthony tried to call it a bath. It's not. It's not a bath. You don't, just, you're not, he's not like laying down in the Gatorade. It's thrown on top of him like a shower. All I'm saying is we should probably consider taking Gatorade baths. I mean, the idea of being able to lay in cool Gatorade Tilt your head to the side, take a swig, get refreshed. Oh, gross. (laughs) So gross. If you're going to do that, you might as well get like a really long swirly straw and just just have it right next to you. I don't see a problem with that. Oh, I do. I see see a lot of problems with that. All of them have to do with your health, right? All of them have to do with your health. Hmm. 
and my sanity. Oh, gross. Ugh. But anyway, yes, Gatorade shower. So Ed Orgeron gets a Gatorade shower when his team thought they had the game wrapped up, and then Texas A&M ties up the game and they end up going to <laughs> overtime. So, Is there a worse feeling than being wet and cold on the sideline after you think you had won? We're talking about Ed Orgeron. <laughs> Ed Orgeron like barely felt it. Like the ice and with like down his shirt and stuff, and he was like, go Tigers. He didn't even notice. His body temperature probably runs at like 115 degrees. That's right. The ice melted upon contact, and everything was cool. Everything was just like, we're good. Go Tigers. And he thought he had a win, and then they didn't. They tied it up, and then like... Seven overtimes later, he's completely dry. He had enough time to completely dry off. <laughs> Did he dry? He was, yes, he was completely dry. So he gets a Gatorade shower, and usually the Gatorade shower, and then you go to the interviews, your hair's all wet and stuff like that. By the end of the game, he was completely dry. He said, I don't even take a shower. I already got that Gatorade shower. I don't need a shower. Go Tigers. That, no, you're not doing a good enough impression because I can understand what you're saying. Oh, my, well, I don't, okay. I don't have no shower. Go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Thank you. Uh, before we, we leave college football, I think we do need to shout out Mackenzie Milton, um, quarterback of University of Central Florida. Unfortunately, he had a season-ending injury, maybe career-ending injury um, last weekend. He What he did the in the previous two years... Um, and not maybe, full season because of this injury. Yeah, maybe unmatched in college football. I haven't, I haven't looked... You know, to compare to to what other uh, quarterbacks have done, but he led his team to a twenty three and zero record starting at the, the beginning of the twenty seventeen season to now twenty three and zero sixty seven hundred yards on the dot sixty two touchdowns to only fifteen interceptions. Um, hard to play much better than that. He's five eleven, like one hundred and eighty pounds. Like he's maximized. He's maximized his skills. And um, he was the heart and soul of this UCF team. I I would like for them to win so they could keep the the undefeated streak going. Like I said, they're they're at 23 wins in a row. Um, there's not really a chance to get into the college football playoff, but but it would still be cool to see that streak going. He's probably not coming back next season. He has to have reconstructive knee surgery, and you know just you w- hope for the best for him. Hopefully, he can continue his his. His career in football, whether it be playing or or coaching or some other aspect of the game, if that's what he wants to do, um, but it's it's tough, you know. This I think this leads to a bigger discussion of of you know when if I were to get injured at my job, my company would take care of me for a time, right? Mackenzie Milton hasn't made a dollar yet doing this. He's brought in millions probably to this university, um, but what he's received in compensation has been what his scholarship which that's great um but i don't think it it i don't it's not commensurate with what he's given the university especially given this injury no what he's produced will never ever match what he's been given by that university ever and he's literally given his body and maybe his career and his future financial capabilities like earning capabilities to this university and he's not going to get a dime from him, and it's unfortunate. But I think I have a solution. He should get a gazelle placenta and just wrap his tendons in a gazelle placenta. And I think in just a few months he'll be fine. Gazelle placenta. Yeah, we should call Colt. I'm sure he would agree with me. Okay. So if you're anywhere near Central Florida, find some wildlife 
remove the placenta obviously ask for permission first you don't want any unauthorized placenta removal and then um yeah attach it to this guy's leg and throw it in the microwave for 30 seconds see what happens it's the time of the week boys and girls it's david's hot take minute and go no song no weird like uncomfortable intro first i was afraid oh, no. i was petrified kept thinking david wouldn't do his hot take minute by my side go one of my new favorite things in sports is paying attention to nba drama i mean off the court stuff for example apparently ben simmons and blake griffin both have a thing for kendall jenner Kendall was at a Sixers game this week where she was clearly cheering for Ben Simmons. That night, Balake hit a game-winning three. May the best man win or lose, depending on your feelings about all that is happening there. The baseball offseason is the opposite of the NBA offseason. No one cares about an only bomb. Speaking of baseball, Barry Bonds isn't in the Hall of Fame and it is one of the dumbest things in sports. He'd be a Hall of Famer if all of his home runs were turned into strikeouts. That's not just me saying that. Someone smarter than me, you know, there aren't many, but someone smarter than me did that math and posted it online. Barry Bonds is more deserving of the Hall of Fame than just about any player in baseball history. And, by the way, he was never disciplined for PED use. Hall of Fames are not there to showcase great people. They are there to showcase the best in the field. We don't kick musicians out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for bad behavior. It would be a much more exclusive club (laughs) if they did. Plus... Tons of guys in the Baseball Hall of Fame did awful stuff and were bad dudes, but they were great players, and they're in the Hall of Fame. Being a fan sucks. When your team loses, it makes you sad. When your team wins, you had nothing to do with it. I will never understand football fights. Why are dudes punching other dudes in the helmet? Sounds like a great way to injure a hand, right? There is a more Is there a more frustrating position in sports than a star wide receiver who plays with a terrible quarterback? Maybe Tom Brady's backup? That dude's gonna play till he's 50. Or until Giselle tells him to stop. Speaking of old, I haven't heard from Peyton Manning in a few days. Should we send someone to his home to check on him? Peyton, just worried about you. I'm a huge fan. Huge fan. Baker Mayfield is a fun quarterback. Remember when he planted the OU flag right on top of the Ohio State O at midfield? It reminded me of one of my favorite sports moments of all time, when Terrell Owens stood in the middle of the Dallas Star after a touchdown. I miss those years so much. Speaking of the 49ers, uh, Marquise Goodwin is now one of my favorite players. If you don't know about him, look him up. He's inspiring and he has a ton of talent and potential. I'm rooting for him in more ways than one. And as a tribute to our listener in Japan, a haiku. Haikus are easy, but sometimes they don't make sense. Refrigerator. Hot take minute was not bad. <laughs> Good job, David. Uh, I do agree. Being a fan is pretty lame most of the time. You get so wrapped up in uh, in your team's day-to-day happenings, and it has nothing to do with you. Right, and think about the only fans who end happy are like one team per season, per sport, right? So this year, only Boston Red Sox fans are happy baseball fans because every other team ended their season with basically a loss, either not making the playoffs or literally their last game was a <laughs> loss in the playoffs. Yeah. Also, I, I I agree with your sentiment. I don't understand football fights either. 
it's basically an hour of of authorized fighting like right do you need to take it into into off the clock right and at least like hockey players have it right like you try to get the helmet off the dude and their faces are exposed so you're going for the (laughs) face right or they give them some stomach punches right before that and they take the gloves off when they want to get real serious but football players leave all their protective padding on and then try to attack the person in the one object that is the hardest on that person I have never seen a body shot thrown in a football fight, which is the obvious play to, to throw a punch in a, in a football fight, right? Mm. The only place that's not extremely padded. Yeah, CTE. What about CTE? That's why they're not going for body shots. Because they all have CTE? they all have CTE. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought they were like afraid to cause CTE. And uh, I was like, oh, then they shouldn't be playing football. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of the NFL. Yeah, good all segue. Right. We good just segue. Had, we just had... We just segued over there like Paul Blart. <clears throat> Uh, so I got I watched uh, Monday Night Football this week. Paul Blart. Not something I do every week, but I watched because I had a stake in the game. I needed three points. Oh, <laughs> I needed three points to win my fantasy. I thought league. I thought fantasy football was dumb. Oh, it is dumb. It's oh, super okay. dumb. Right. Um, but it got me to watch Texans Titans on Monday Night Football, and I needed three points, and all I had left was a Houston kicker. Can't even remember his name, but I had him. <laughs> his on the back of his jersey it says Texans kicker. I started calling him Fairbrain because his the letters in his name kind of resembled that. Okay, now I have to look it up. <laughs> Texans kicker. Um, what does it say? What does it say? How about Fairbarn? Fairbairn. Yeah. Fairbairn. 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 Yeah, I called him Fairbairn. Fairbairn. Uh, he came. He came through. I think he had uh, two field goals. That's and, a mean and... name to say if you're struggling with your R's. Yeah. Fellbound. Fellbound. <laughs> I really hope he didn't have that particular trouble growing up. Oh, that'd be rough. Uh, so, yeah, he came through. Two field goals, three extra points, something like that. Uh, got me the win. So, thanks, Fairbairn. Fairbairn. Uh, but it, it also gave us some more exposure to the Texans, who are sneaky good this this year. They're uh, are they a sneaky good golfer of the week? They're the Houston Texans. Congratulations, you're the sneaky good golfer of the week. Actually, Phil Mickelson was the sneaky good golfer of the week, beating Tiger Woods in their pay per view playoff. That Nine re- million dollars that was released online for free by accident. <laughs> Did you hear about that? No. Yeah, yeah. So apparently there was some mishap or something, and people while the match was going on, you know, eighteen hole matches last forever. Right? Yeah. And so while it was going on, enough people took to social media saying, oh, I'm on this app watching for free. I didn't pay for it. <laughs> oh, no. And so all the people that did pay for it are like, what the heck? Like, I could have just watched it for free, but I paid for it. So now, like, they're issuing refunds and all this stuff. But apparently it was such a it was such a resounding success that they're going to turn this into, like, a series. Like, quote, the match. Was it successful? Oh, wow. I don't know. Well, I guess the right people made the right amount of money. Yeah. And so they're going to keep doing it. Maybe, like, Sergio Garcia versus, I don't know, the Yips. I don't know what they're going to do next. So I think... um, That was a deep dive into a golf (laughs) joke, too. Like, our one listener got it, and I really hope it's our listener in Japan. So I think what happened with the the Tiger-Phil deal is that uh, Tiger lost on purpose so that they could do this again next year. Because, like, there's no way he actually should have lost that. I mean, I know Tiger's not the Tiger of old, but he's much better, better than Phil Mickelson is right now. And uh, lefty, yeah. So I think he was paid under the table, 
I think he he was he got he got some of the pay per view <laughs> that, that no one needed to actually pay. Yeah, the free uh, pay per view match. Uh, so I'd like to. Uh, I think I'd like to see this concept extended into um, other sports. I'd like to see... Uh, like one-on-ones? Televised yeah, pay-per-view one-on-ones? Yeah, I'd like to see some uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and KD one-on-one. Or... Uh, I have I have Giannis on that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah, or other... Uh, I don't know. That that can make soccer exciting for me. You get... Uh, I guess you probably need like at least two or three players for that. Yeah, but just like smaller, smaller um, events, right? So how about like one on ones in baseball, where like the best overall players pitch against each other and hit against each other? It, okay, and like you'd have one person in the field. No, 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 I just mean I, you'd have to have like rate it somehow, like yeah. like best hit balls, like home runs count for points or whatever, strikeouts count for like taking away points and stuff like that, but. I don't really know if this works for any sport really other than golf or like racing events. Yeah, tennis. That makes sense. Tennis, darts. We missed a huge opportunity. This reminds me, we missed a huge opportunity last week. There was a guy who threw a perfect dart round where every dart he threw, it's like the minimum number of darts you can do it. I think it's nine. So he hit like, he hit like uh, what is it, like six triple 20s and then he got the remainder to get it to... Uh, the three, what is it, 351 or whatever it is? 301. 301 to end a dart match, whatever it is. Uh. And it was really cool to see that. Also, another dart player was frustrated at a dart player who <laughs> farted during a match but did not claim it. And so the uh, this is a different match. <laughs> this isn't the perfect round match. But one dart player Okay, supposedly... so, so, so dart player one okay, accuses yeah. dart player two. Of farting, yes. Okay. Dart the, player the two. The dart fart. The dart, the, the dart farter. Okay. That's like a serial killer name, the Dart Farter. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like Jack the Ripper. It did take place in England. <laughs> Jack the Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> Works on so many levels. So this Dart player, right? Dart player number two, the Dart Farter. He, okay. His defense was, I've farted during matches before, and I've always, always taken credit for it. <laughs> that was his defense. So, so did he like, like take personal offense that this guy would be accusing him? Not that, Not accusing him of farting. But accusing him of lying about farting—that was his thing. Like, of, oh, of a dishonorable yes, fart. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. Like when I fart during my matches, I let everyone know. Wow. I let I let everyone know that I farted. So he was ta- he was like, "You impute my honor, sir. I claim them all." <laughs> Good day. <laughs> but imagine everything we just said, but in delightful British accents, and then you have the story down perfect. Higgledy piggledy. <laughs> Higgledy piggledy fart. <laughs> Oh, so we're eight minutes into NFL talk, and I think we've covered, uh, I think we've covered mostly everything from the week. You know who else throws darts? Oh, nice. So I'm looking through my notes, I'm trying to find a good quarterback here for just a second. <laughs> okay, you know who else throws darts? The quarterbacks for the Saints, Rams, and Chiefs. Oh, yeah. You well, know, okay, so there's... You know who farts? <laughs> Everyone else? Everyone else in the league, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. No, no. There, there are some... That, what surprised me about the league this year is... Uh, and I'm giving I'm giving you most of the credit for pointing this out, Anthony. We have three teams that we know for sure are really good teams. Yeah. And then we talk about bubble teams when we get into the playoffs. And you've labeled these other teams bubble good teams. Like they're teams, bubble good. Yeah. Like, we, we know they're, they're a decent team at least. But are they really in this class with the Rams, Patriots, Chiefs of being like an actual... We know for sure these are great teams. And, and why don't you talk more about that and what those teams are and why you think they're like the bubble good teams. Yeah. Okay. So, my bubble good teams, one through five. So, we already said Saints, Rams, Chiefs, obvious one through three. Put them in whatever order you want. 
Bubble good. Number one, the Patriots. Okay. We kind of say, we say this a lot about the Patriots, that they don't look as good as they did last year, and then they end up in the Super Bowl, right? But they did lose to the Titans, yes. who just got stomped by the Texans. And I know the transitive property doesn't always work in sports. It doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And I understand that, because matchups and, and schedules, injuries, whatever. But still, they, yeah. they lost to a team that got crushed by the Texans, who is another one of our bubble good teams, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and um, I mean, we'll see. They have, do have some concerning losses. It's their away record that concerns me. They're 5-0 and at home. They're 3-3 three and three on the road. And they will, in all likelihood in the playoffs, have to go on the road. Um, so we'll see if, if, the, if the Belichick magic, Belichick-Brady magic continues. Um, Gronk two, is still hurt, right? Uh, he's always hurt. I don't he know. Is. But I think a lot of it hinges on him and not just if he can come back, but if he comes back healthy, if he comes back able to actually contribute. And so I would be, I would keep listing them as a bubble good team until Gronk comes back healthy. Yeah, and they do have a pretty winnable schedule the rest of the season. They're, they, they're in the they're AFC hosting, East. They're hosting the Vikings. They're at the Dolphins. They're at the Steelers. That's always a dicey game for them and the Steelers. Uh, they're hosting the Bills, hosting the Jets. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them end up 12-4. and four. Bills win. Jets win. Dolphins win. Their division is garbage. I can't imagine them losing any more division games. Yeah, so if they, if they do hang on uh, and go 12-4, and four, they maybe end up as the second seed. Um, it's going to depend on what the Chargers do. Speaking of the Chargers, they're my number two bubble team, bubble good team. Um, but the Chargers have a much tougher road the rest of the season. So in years past, we would get excited about the Chargers, and then they'd kind of tail off at the end. Old Phil Rivers, my good, my good friend Phil. I think you have to say old Phil Rivers. Old Phil Rivers sounds like a guy you'd meet on the Oregon Trail <laughs> that would like help you trap some beavers, make a hat so you could survive the oh, winter. Peaches. <laughs> Old Phil Rivers. Uh, cinnamon and gravy. <laughs> so they do. They have a tough schedule. They've got. Uh, Imagine Philip Rivers in a coonskin hat. <laughs> the little tails by his oh, head. Oh, I'm sure you could Google Philip Rivers coonskin hat and you would find a picture. Don't make me Google. <laughs> Uh, so they're at Pittsburgh hosting Cincinnati. That's a win. At Kansas City hosting Baltimore. At Denver, of those five games left, they could. <laughs> Sorry, no coonskin hat, but they do have him a little pirate hat, a little pirate <laughs> eye patch. Uh, sorry. As there, you were. There's a lot of good Phil Rivers images on Google. Yeah. Uh, so legitimately, out of those five games we mentioned, they could lose four. Um, I think I think the game against Cincinnati is the only gimme, um, and so they could end up you know nine and seven, which would not get them hosting a a, a game because they're in the same division as the Chiefs. So the Chiefs are most likely going to win the division. So either way, they're going. They're starting off on the road. We'll see. Uh, <clears throat> we'll see how they do. I'm not as optimistic on the. Uh, I'm not as high on the Chargers as some other people are, just because of how many tough games they have left on their schedule. We also have a Philip Rivers in a sailor's hat and a pipe a la Popeye, and it is wonderful. <laughs> he may have as strong uh, forearms as Popeye. He can sling it. Uh, the Bears, they're my number three bubble team. They're maybe the surprise of the season for me. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, I honestly did not know of the guy before this season. Um, 
and uh, he's doing. He, even though he was out last week, they they still won against the uh, the Lions on Thanksgiving. So kudos to whoever was the backup and uh, and kept them in the game. But the Bears surprisingly eight and three. They're uh, they've got a one game lead over the Vikings in their division. No, sorry, they've got well, however many they're they're eight and three. Vikings are six four and one. So uh, I, I've done the research, and unfortunately, there are no pictures on the internet. <laughs> Of Philip Rivers wearing a coonskin hat, and the magic of the Phil Rivers photos ran out pretty quickly. So uh, don't waste your time with the Phil Rivers funny pictures. There's one or two that'll delight you, and then you'll be disappointed for the rest of time. We've still got time this season. One may surface. I, I don't have my hopes up. My number four, good bubble, bubble good team, bubble good, bubble gump. That's what I thought of as soon as you <laughs> did it, that one. <laughs> The Steelers, I don't know if they're good. They have some very troubling losses. Running backs. They tied the Browns earlier this season. Quarterbacks. They don't play well on the road. Left tackles. Um, if they if they win out or at least win the majority of the games, they'll probably win their division. Strong safeties. Uh, as is the has been the case for the last decade or so. Defensive coordinators. <laughs> the Steelers and the Ravens are, are battling it out for lead of the AFC North. So Medical trainers. And then the Texans, we uh, previously mentioned the Texans, they're my number five good bubble team. Weight trainers. <laughs> bubble good. Wait, am I saying bubble good or good bubble? I'm saying bubble good. They're my bubble good team number five. It doesn't matter what you say. I'm going to hear bubble gump every time you say that now. Coconut. Coconut shrimp. Uh, so NFL, yeah, there's, there's a few really good teams at the top, and then there's... There's a host of teams really vying for the playoffs, and and I don't know. I don't I don't feel like any of those bubble good teams, except for maybe the Patriots, just because they've done it so many times. Right. It, it's hard to bet against the Patriots. It's like betting against LeBron to make the playoffs. Until he doesn't do it, I'm not going to bet against him. Like if you if you gave me the Saints, Rams, and Chiefs versus the field, I would take the Saints, Rams, and Chiefs. And the only one I'd be worried about is that the Patriots isn't in that grouping as well. Right. Um, so I'm excited for the next five weeks. This is this is when the NFL season gets super exciting. Um, and, and just a note on all this, like the records are not the best indication of what's a good team. Yeah. Right. So I mean, yes, the Patriots are eight and three, and they look like they're having a great season, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're one of the best teams in the league. Right. Yeah. So well, just and just like in baseball, you can look at point differential. I think that I think that's a pretty good predictor. In, in football as well. You look in the AFC, we had one we had one team um, that we mentioned in our three, that was the Kansas City Chiefs, right? Our three definitely good teams. Kansas City Chiefs have a hundred positive 110 point differential. The next best are the Chargers. In the are, same division. In the same division, plus 88. Uh, after that, you go to the Ravens, and then the Steelers, then the Patriots. Um, and the Houston Texans have the lowest of the teams we mentioned at plus 51. And to give you an idea of what I'm talking about, the Colts are 6-5 and five this year, but they have a plus 52 point differential. So their point differential is better than the 8-3 and three Texans. So uh, someone liked to say, why don't you bet on... Uh, I, I heard the story, someone asked a, a famous uh, gambler, why don't you bet on football? And he said, because the ball... It isn't round. You never know which way it's going to bounce. And that was a yeah. metaphor not just for what the ball does, but 
the games, you never know which way they're going to go. I mean, a bounce goes one way or, or, or the other, and the Colts could be 10-6 and six at the end of the year instead of 6-10 and 10 or whatever they're going to end up with. You know what I mean? Yeah. You look at something like like a division like the NFC East where there are no good teams. I mean, the, the Cowboys and the Redskins are the only teams with – they're both at six and five. They and, have, and the only wait, reason we're and, talking about the Cowboys as being a good team right now is because they have won lately. Yeah, that's really the only reason. Yeah, they won three in a row. So I mean, at one point in, in the season, they were three and five. Right. Now they're six and five. They're the only team with a positive point differential in their division, and it's only positive plus twenty one. But you look at the Bears, you look at the Rams, and you look at the Saints are are good to bubble good teams, right? The Saints clear clearly the best team in the NFL. Well, I shouldn't say clearly. The highest they, point differential. In they definitely have the highest point differential. And if you're playing indoors, there's no one you'd rather have than the New Orleans Saints. P- plus 153. That's crazy. Rams, second, plus 107. Bears right behind him, plus 106. So, um, and they added Khalil Mack on defense, and he's starting to get comfortable in that defensive oh, their, system. Their so, defense is awesome. Yeah, and I think... Giving now that Khalil Mack has had a couple weeks to play with them and they're they're getting you know the feel for how to play with him and how he's going to play with everyone else, their defense is going to be really good for a long time. And John Gruden is making a grumpy face right now. <laughs> uh, so I I think I think our and I didn't even look at the the point differential, but I think it our our list of good teams and bubble good teams it tracks pretty well with point differential. The Texans being uh, really the only outlier there. Um, so we'll see. Excited. But not all, not all exciting stuff in the NFL. Right, and I'm, I'm a big 49ers fan, and so I haven't paid attention for the last couple of years. Uh, Nick Mullins, I, I can use the e- two L's now. Emphasis on the two L's. Yeah, Nick Mullins uh, came in and, and gave me some hope, getting a W on his first win. Best quarterback in 49ers history for 45 minutes. And, I, uh, I yeah. tried to warn you. No, you did, you did. But I, I'm still, I'm not a writer die with Nick Mullins. But I still ride with Nick Mullins. Okay. But uh, but their running back Brita had an amazing game. He had over a hundred yards, but he only had fourteen carries. Mm. And when I see that, I think, yeah, you're behind and you're losing. But if your guy is averaging all just under like like seven yards a carry, and your quarter the guy throwing the ball for you is Nick Mullins, you might as well ride the hot hand and, and keep giving the ball to the running back who's averaging good numbers, right? I think the sign of a good coach is they go back to what's working. You know, like where NFL coaches get in trouble is they get, they try it. They're, they're too creative for their own good or they're too, um, I don't know. They, they maybe stick to trends too much instead of what's actually working in the game that they're coaching at that moment. And Bill Belichick and Nick Saban are great examples of coaches who have adapted, who had a system that worked for a long time. And when they needed to change and adapt, they did. And all, and, and not just adapt in any given season, but adapt in any given game. Yes. You look at, um, Alabama's second halves. Um, they, they were, were losing to Citadel for crying out loud. <laughs> that's right. They, they go, went where's into... Citadel, Anthony? Where is it? Uh, I assume on top of a hill. I know better where the Citadel of Gondor is than I know where Citadel of Real Life University is. Yeah. So, so That was these, the Lord of the Rings reference. Mm, I think you're toking it too far. Mm. Ah, that was uh, a... Mm. <laughs> okay, you, but, got the but, to, you got the token bad joke out of the way, and let's, let's move on. Oh, wow. Well. Uh, Smeagol what I did there. You've got a, a nasty hobbit there of, of bringing in these... <laughs> Lord of the Rings references. Well, Mordor is less, I always say. Oh, less is Mordor. Dang it! <laughs> Dang it! Less is Mordor. 
so something about ring around the joke. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Okay, so uh, uh, Reuben Foster is a linebacker for the 49ers, and he's a promising linebacker. And heaven knows the 49ers have had really bad luck at the at the linebacker position over the last couple of years with awful injuries. Navarro Bowman, and uh, I can't think of the other one right now. But then uh, early Willis, retirement, Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis, and then uh, they had a, a really good. Rookie uh, linebacker that decided to quit the game. Not like quit a game, but quit the game of football over health concerns. And so the linebacker core has just been destroyed by all sorts of um, misfortune. And then Reuben Foster uh, gets accused of domestic violence. The girl comes out and says, I was lying. And then the same girl accuses him again this last week. And so he's convicted, not convicted, but he's accused a second time of domestic violence from the same mm-hmm. girl. The 49ers cut him. They get rid of him. They basically fire him and say, okay, now we really have to cut ties with you. We can't do this anymore. That same week, Washington calls him and signs him. Like the day after he's released. It was from, two days. Right? <laughs> it was two days after he'd been arrested. And what are, what are we doing? Like, I, I don't understand. So it, this just goes to what we talked about during the baseball season, where it doesn't matter what you have done. If you can bring the team wins, if if these GMs, head coaches, and presidents of these teams see in you a winner and something that will bring them more wins and more money, they will hire you, almost regardless of your past. Yeah, and I don't even get like the business decision of this, though, because he's suspended. Like He can't play right now while the NFL is investigating. So he may not even play this season, and the Redskins... What are they getting from this? What, I, I, I don't understand it. There and, are 53 roster spots, and your roster spot is being taken by an accused domestic abuser who cannot play for you. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know a guy who, could, uh, who was good enough to play in the NFL, who didn't get his chance, who could fill that roster spot for you. You know what I mean? At least he could be on your practice squad. Colin Kaepernick? No, I don't know him personally. Oh. That's not what I was talking about. Oh. I wasn't even going there. You brought it oh. up. That's usually my bag, but you brought it up this time. Mm-hmm. It was the token Kaepernick reference. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I'm, third time's not the charm with the token joke. We are habitually bad at this. Hey, I already used Hobbit. But I did it better. So, David, is Aaron Rodgers good? Yeah, he's really good. Did you know he's hurt? Is he hurt? His leg's jacked up. Okay. Why is he playing? I don't know. <laughs> Who else is going to play? Yeah. He's the only thing keeping Mike McCarthy employed. And I don't, I mean, I if I were him, I would play poorly to get Mike McCarthy fired. Right? I think the only hope of, like, Aaron Rodgers uh, winning more Super Bowls is for Mike McCarthy to not be his head coach. But if you were the president of the Packers, which I guess is the people who have bought into the company... If you were running the Packers, they're a publicly traded football team, which yeah, is weird. Okay. Uh, one of my assistant managers at a job I had was actually a part owner of the Packers. <laughs> and I was like, what do you get from that? It's like, this certificate. And I was like, and? This certificate. And I was like, worth it. Uh, anyway, like a lock of Aaron Rodgers' hair. Did it come in the envelope? No, nothing. But anyway, uh, what were we talking about? Mm, football. Yeah, Mike Aaron McCarthy. Rodgers, Mike McCarthy. Sports. Mm-hmm. If you were running... The Packers, if Aaron Rodgers came to you and said, I don't think Mike McCarthy is the coach for me, and I don't think he's the coach for this team, don't you call him down to your office? Like, wouldn't Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy, like, pass each other in your doorway (laughs) so that you could fire him? I don't understand this, and I don't understand why they're sticking with Mike McCarthy for so long. 
Yeah, he obviously has dirt on all of the thousand owners of the Packers. That's the only thing I can come up with. Really? Some cheese fell in the dirt? <laughs> Dirty know. cheese? I don't know. Adam cut all of this. <laughs> Believe the Hobbit jokes. Those were good. Well, mine were good. Anthony's were mordioker. It's fun to say. Kind of sounds like tapioca, but with mortar in it. Mordioker. Should I stop now? As far as I'm concerned, this is our best segment. This can go forever as far as I'm concerned. I am here for the Lord of the Rings puns and the bad football talk. I'm here for that. I think we found my wheelhouse. I don't know, man. I'm just sour, man. Longtime listeners may have known, well, listeners may have noticed <laughs> that we forwent the, uh, I don't think you liked my use of forwent there. It was fine. Fine. Okay, we forwent the uh, uh, news story to open the show, uh, and in lieu of that, we're going to uh, do uh, Fantastic Five headlines now, and we're just going to spend a little bit more time talking about the Fantastic Five headlines. So, Anthony, are your Fantastic Five headlines ready? Ready. Go ahead. Florida man clings for life onto hang glider. David, watch this video. Uh, You can just Google Florida man hang glider. Switzerland. So this guy, uh, Chris Gursky, uh, traveling in Switzerland, decides, I want to try hang gliding. Uh, and, and when you do hang gliding, just like skydiving, you know, the first time you go out, you don't just grab a, a hang glider and run off a cliff. You do it with an expert, a professional, right? You're tethered to that professional, and they basically handle the equipment or handle the dive, and you're, you're there along for the ride as you learn a little bit. Uh, well, one one uh, key element of this of this uh, hang gliding tour um, was uh, was not done properly, and that was the tethering of the expert to the non-expert. Okay, okay. So, okay. So, if I understand correctly, you're supposed to be attached to the hang glider. To the, the or to the hang glide expert or the hang glide teacher. Yeah, you should be attached to the teacher. And what happened here? Uh, he was not attached. So they took off, and he's uh, the uh, Chris Gursky is holding on to the hang glider. I'm sorry, Chris Gursky <laughs> sounds like the name of a guy on a sitcom. He sounds like the sitcom dad that gets himself into this exact situation. <laughs> so they take off. You see in the video, they they, they ascend super quickly. Um, and they, the, both, the, both the expert and Chris realize very quickly that Chris is not tethered to the expert. And uh, he begins just hanging off the bar that goes across the hang glider. Just like hanging in midair, thousand feet in the air, or however high up they are. And uh, the video goes on for over four minutes. He's hanging there for four minutes, using all the grip strength he has, clutching to the bar, clutching to the to to the expert and uh and and you can see him slowly falling down lower like he's grabbing the guy's arm now he's grabbing his pant leg and like oh yeah he's 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 and by the end it's just like his fingertips are all that's left before they finally land and he actually drops just before they land uh amazingly he only fractures a wrist uh, I say only, I'm sure it was very painful, but from being, you know, a thousand feet in the air, potentially falling to your death to only fracturing your wrist, I think he feels very blessed. Um, 
ended up needing surgery in the, in the wrist and uh, but now he's famous and gets to go on all these new shows and has a really cool story to tell um, <laughs> I did like the uh, this quote um, <laughs> from from the uh, his name's Christian Boppert he's the director of the Swiss hang gliding Association he Not said uh, he said the pilot knew he made a terrible mistake but afterward he made a good save like I don't really know what he did. It seemed like Chris was hanging on pretty well. Right. I watched the video. I think the best thing the hang glide instructor, pilot guy. Yeah. Why are we calling him a pilot? That uh, seems like a pretty, like, I think of pilots as pilot, like, yeah. yeah, I think of pilots like guys that are in like airplanes and jet fighters and like stuff like that. Or uh, boats. I don't know. Mm -hmm. What else do you pilot that's kind of unexpected? Um, hmm. Sounds like something for another time. Mm-hmm. I think, I think if nothing else, this story teaches us, you can take the man out of Florida, but you can't take the Florida out of the man. Absolutely not. No. You, you Florida going to Florida no matter where Florida be. When I when I research uh, for this segment and I uh, I put in my fancy Google machine, you know, funny, weird, strange stories, um, it's a good 30 to 40% of the stories start with Florida man. <laughs> Florida man. So weird stuff happens in Florida. And Paul Blart segue. Fantastic headline number two. Florida man reportedly stabbed woman in head with fork over undercooked potato. Okay, I'm not going to pass any judgment till I hear more about this story. Um, so, it, the very few details in the story I read. I assume this was at a restaurant. Um, but a man by the name of Kenneth Crumpton, age 36... Uh, stabbed a woman in the head when he received a an undercooked, slightly raw potato. Um, now, in Kenneth's defense, he denies stabbing the woman, uh, instead insisting that he merely threw the fork at her head, and it glanced. It glanced her head, right? Now, I really feel like this is a distinction that will be easy for the police to find out. Like, a glancing blow to the head with a fork is very different from a man stabbing you in the head. And I'm pretty sure the forensics will come back pretty conclusively on this one. So, I await the follow-up story. Also, I'm no uh, criminal attorney, criminal defense attorney, but I don't think the best strategy to say, no, I didn't stab her in the head, I merely threw the fork at her head and it happened to hit her. I imagine a judge being like, oh, it was a glancing throw, dismissed. Yeah, I don't think uh, launching a weapon is much different than uh, swinging a weapon. So, not sure the greatest defense there, but we are in Florida, so who knows. Florida man. Canadian scientist names Beetle after Jose Bautista. You made it, Jose. You made it. <laughs> Finally. All of your aspirations and all of your hopes and dreams have now come true. There's a beetle named after you. I would call it the Batflip Beetle as a nickname. That's what I would do. Because that bat flip was one of my favorite moments in sports. It, it created that big bat flip debate. And I was like, the more bat flips, the better. Yeah. Well, the, the, the scientist who uh, got to name the, the beetle actually cited that as the reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he, he said uh, it was talking about the bat flip. It was one of the moments in Toronto baseball sort of lore where he hits the big home run. And I thought, what a great way to kind of recognize his contributions to Blue Jay baseball and to Canadian baseball really as a whole. Uh, so entomologist Bob Anderson of the Canadian Museum of Nature was able to name this, this beetle. Uh, newly discovered species, and he named it Sicoderus Baut Bautistae. <laughs> um, 
What's also cool is is the beetle is from Bautista's native Dominican Republic. Oh, cool. So, so yeah. it all ties together nicely. All ties together nicely. Uh, Anderson, funnily enough, much like our uh, our friend from the last show who has set like 100 Guinness World Records, this uh, entomologist Bob Anderson, he's named over 120 weevils over his career. Calm down, weevil guy. We've so, already given away all the trips. We've already given away all the luggage. We've already given away all the free product. We have no more weevil swag to give to you. To slow down, you've met your quota. Okay, weevil guy. Yeah, and I think the last thing we need to know in 2018 is that more weevils still exist. Like, more species of weevil are out there. Well, weevils wobble, but we'll always find more. Weevil, carry on. Man, 35, reportedly marries computer hologram. So, congratulations, man. Are you congratulating me or the guy who married the, the nothing? Uh, I'm congratulating you because you actually married a human. Nah, I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> hey, congratulations to you too. Did you marry a person? Yes, I married a human being, a homo sapien. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So, this is confusing because do holograms exist? Like, like legit holograms? Because I read a story a little while ago that BYU, who doesn't have a good football team, but apparently has a pretty good science and, and research program, were actually developing 3D holograms where they would take two lasers and they would trap a particle in, in the middle of space and manipulate that particle with lasers to create actual 3D holograms in, in real space. And they were really rudimentary and small. Hmm. Like a cube that was like the size of your fingernail, kind of small. And so when this guy says he married a hologram, my first thought is, do holograms actually exist? I don't know, but the story calls it a virtual hologram. That's very different. So it's 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 a fake person in a fake environment. <laughs> so it's double fake. Yeah, he didn't want to commit to just a regular fake person. Right. He wanted the double fake. That's right. Um. Yeah. So, but apparently layers of protection <laughs> around your fakeness. So. Uh, Akihiko Kondo, in our ja uh, our listener from Japan, please uh, please forgive the Japanese pronunciation. Arigato. Um, oh. But <laughs> uh, he works at a middle school. This guy, he's uh, 35 years old. He invited 40 of his close friends and relatives to the ceremony. Wait, wait were they actually there or were they virtual friends? <laughs> All I know is his parents, his real actual life parents, did not attend. I imagine. <laughs> um, and, uh, but according to um, the, the company that actually owns this hologram, uh, so this is a very popular character in some online game in, in Japan, um, their statement is, marriage with a character has no legal validity, and this event should not, uh, should be of no concern to Hatsune Miku's millions of fans. Hatsune Miku's the name of the hologram. She's still on the market, fellas. Don't worry, this wasn't a legit wedding. She is still on the market. You can virtually marry her as many times as you'd like. Right. Uh, the company continued saying, We see this as one individual's way of expressing his appreciation for Hatsu Hatsune Miku, and we respect that. Respect. Yeah, a lot respect. of respect. 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 Fantastic headline number five. Pennsylvania woman claims she drove on train tracks because GPS told her to go that way. I'm actually surprised we don't read this headline every week um, because I know I, even in in places I know I'm familiar with, I'll still put in put it in my phone to see like the best way to go, make sure there's not like an accident or something. So I'm always just following wherever my phone tells me to go. Um, here's my assumption. My assumption is, you know, on Google, uh, like Google Maps, you have you can do the like pedestrian, like the best way to walk somewhere. I, my guess is she had like the public transportation 
and just follow the public. But okay, and that's fine. That's an honest mistake. You follow the public transportation route, which takes you to the train tracks. At some point though, you realize, hey, I'm not on a road. I'm on train tracks. Um, or maybe you don't realize it and you drive for 15 miles. Yeah, so the, the police uh, commented saying the female was 100% sober and had no medical conditions affecting her decision making. That's not a good look though. I, I, might, I, I almost wish it was the other way. I wish there was something impairing her decision making at the time. <laughs> and uh, there's, no, there's nothing in the story that tells us how, um, how long she was on the road but, or on the, on the tracks, but she was on there long enough for someone to notice her, call the police, and the police to find her. That's way too long. So I don't know if you've all seen the episode of The Office where Michael Scott turns into a, a pond. That was drive. the first thing I thought of. Yeah. Um, but when I remember seeing that, thinking, no, like, would someone really do that? But in 2018, people are doing that. So be safe out there, folks. The phones are working against us. Technology is finally rising up. It's the machine revolution. Don't trust your phones. I mentioned NBA drama a little bit in my hot take minute, but remember when Kawhi laughed? <laughs> that was so good. Thank you. Did you do that again? <laughs> that is so good. Thank you. I'm like a Adam. Would you put in the real Kawhi laugh just so we can have a comparison? That's a good idea. Okay, okay. So, so Anthony's Kawhi laugh. <laughs> Kawhi laugh. <laughs> Anthony's laugh. <laughs> Kawhi laugh. <laughs> All right, listeners, we'll leave it up to you. If you liked Anthony's bat laugh better. Which is the real Kawhi? <laughs> yeah, which is the real Kawhi? What if the answer is neither? What if I'll, what if I've been Kawhi all along? What if, what if the real Kawhi is inside all of us? That would mm. be Kawhi the revelation. Kawhi the NBA is wacky. It really is. So wacky, in fact, it's, it's getting so weird now in the NBA that Kawhi Leonard got a technical foul. <laughs> I mean... But, but it, wasn't, it wasn't like an ordinary technical foul where the player is like saying some obscene thing or making some grand gesture at a referee. Like, I don't know what was said, but all I saw was like... All I saw was Kawhi extend his arms slightly. Like, like a what? That's Kawhi yelling and throwing things. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they teed him up. It was the weak, weakest technical of, of 2018. I'm sure there's more to come. Uh, Kawhi was... <laughs> more to come than Kawhi? <laughs> yeah. I, if you had the over-under... Kawhi, Kawhi is not done making weak headlines. <laughs> oh, gotcha. I, okay, if you had the over-under on Kawhi's technical fouls, like if it was your job in Vegas to set that, that prop bet, what would you put it at for Kawhi's... Uh, over under Kawhi's technical fouls for the season. What would you have put it at? Uh, probably one. You would. I would have put I, it at point five. Point, yeah. Okay. I would have put it at point yeah. five. Uh, yeah. So, so okay. But but yeah. That, that was that was only the second uh, for me. The second most interesting Kawhi story this week. Popovich, uh, Greg Popovich, his former coach, coach of the San Antonio Spurs, was asked recently about the importance of point guard Patty Mills' leadership. Uh, especially in the wake of uh, Mano Ginobili's departure uh, due to retirement and, and Tony Parker's uh, uh, signing with the, the Charlotte Hornets and then Leonard's trade to Toronto. 
and uh, he was pretty blunt. He said Kawhi was a great player, but he wasn't a leader or anything. Manu and Patty were the leaders. Kawhi's talent will always be missed, but that leadership wasn't his deal at the time. Um, now I'm not going to disagree. Obviously, I wasn't there. He knows he knows who the leaders of the team were more than anyone. Um, but why even say that? Like, what's that, that? That has the feel to me of just like being a little bitter about how. Like, he obviously wouldn't have said that if Kawhi were still on the team. All right. Well, imagine. Look who Popovich has played with. He's played with some of the what we would call the best, most professional, the most professional and the best leaders through example and play and vocally that we've seen in basketball. And he had him on his team, David Robinson. They called him the Admiral. Not because, just because he was like in the, in the military, yeah. yeah. but also because that's the way he comported himself and that's the way they respected him. They respected him like, they, like you would respect a, a Navy Admiral, right? And then you have Tim Duncan, who is just like David Robinson 2.0, just with a, with a sweeter... Uh, uh, off the glass jump shot, but that same type of player who does it right, who plays well, who plays hard, and who once got a technical foul for like for laughing on the laughing bench. on the bench. You remember that? Yeah, it's very Kawhi esque, right? How dare he? But anyway, uh, and then Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, who was again the consummate pro and just the hardest worker. That you go from that, and then your next superstar player, who might be just as if not more talented than all of those guys, doesn't say anything. Yeah, ever. So Popovich goes from those type of players to a Kawhi, and that must have been really strange and may have been grating for Popovich to say, you have all this talent, everyone respects you for your skill and your and your ability to play the game, take advantage of that and become a leader in other ways too. And I think Kawhi just didn't do that. It's just not him. So, and I'm so all he, about, didn't, he didn't step up and, and grab the reins of leadership. Right, and I, yeah. you, you don't always need to do that. Mm-hmm. I became much more comfortable playing sports, and I realized I wasn't the raw, raw, motivate everyone kind of a guy. I couldn't yell at the group of guys and get people excited about the game or anything like that. I started playing better, actually, and maybe this is a lesson I should take through my entire life, but the more silent I was during games, the better I played. I mean, there were whole baseball games where I wouldn't say a word to anybody. It was glorious, and I played really well. Maybe I should do that in my career. (laughs) I think you need to talk a little bit. As a teacher, just a little. That's true. Maybe in like meetings though. Mm. Maybe I should just not talk in meetings anymore. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that approach at work when I'm uh, on a conference call or something. Anthony, you, you have anything to add? I'm gonna let my work do the talking. <laughs> yeah, we'll like see. That. We'll see how that goes. I like that. I like that. All right, whack. Sticking with this wacky NBA season. What's up, Celtics? You get back an All Star in Gordon Hayward. Jason Tatum is in his second year. Jalen Brown in his third year. Kyrie Irving healthy. And you're 11-10. and 10. You have the, the uh, quote-unquote best young coach in the league in Brad Stevens. I don't know why I did quote-unquote. I don't know. Well, is he the best or not? That, well, that, I think that is a question now, right? It is now. I think last year everyone was saying he might be the best coach in the league yeah. with what he did. Did he win coach of the year last year? Uh, I don't know if no, he the did. No, the Raptors coach did. Oh, that's right. Dwayne, fired. Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey yeah. got fired. And uh, everyone was saying, no, it should, have been, it should have been Brad Stevens for what he did, taking that group, that team who was missing its two best players, to the playoffs, right? And, and that's what Brad Stevens does. He takes players who uh, individually are not – are not all-star talent, but but collectively, um, collectively make it to the finals or make it to the to the conference finals. You think of what he did in college with Butler; they got to the national championship twice, right? 
featuring Gordon Hayward, right? But but with a bunch of players who were not recruited by the biggest schools. And this is interesting to me because it brings up a what would the opposite of Brad Stevens be? The first person I thought of was Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson, yeah. The the guy who came in and coached superstars. Pat Riley. Yeah, those guys came in and they coached superstars and they managed those superstar egos and were able to get good play out of them and good teamwork out of them and won a lot of championships. Brad Stevens seems to be the opposite of that, who when he gets the superstar egos back into this team and into the system, doesn't quite know how to manage them maybe. So it also might just be that this is really the first time we're seeing Kyrie and Gordon Hayward playing together and now you have this group of guys who aren't getting as many minutes as they were last year, and they have yeah. to share these minutes. And so all that production is going to go down. This is something that you kind of have to figure out. So we are just 20 games in or so, yeah, so, so we're, give it some time. We're a quarter of the way into the season. You're right. It's it's still early. Um, I think we, you know you see that with the Thunder. They started off 0-5. They're now 12-7. and So things can change quickly. Um, it's just surprising because... The team is largely the same. They're just adding an all-star. Right. Right? And so uh, you you would think, if anything, they'd do as well as they did last year. Um, but they're barely above 500. So in the East, I mean, you've really got the Bucks and the Raptors at the top. And then yeah, the 76ers are doing all right. Pacers are okay. But then it kind of really drops off after that. Um, I don't know. Blake Griffin's motivation is pretty high right now. He might go on a tear here. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So the East is uh, is compelling for, for some reasons. The West is compelling for totally opposite reasons. It's between the one seed right now, which is the Los Angeles. And if I, you, if, if I were about to say 20 games into the season, the team leading the West is the Los Angeles blank. Uh, I think if you polled everyone before the season, it'd be the Lakers. Everyone would be surprised. Raise wow, your, they gelled so quickly. Raise your hand out there if you thought the Clippers would ever be in first place this year. The no, L- no one? No one? I'm so, I'm so used to this. Not feel, even the I'm ghost of element. Donald Sterling thinks that, and he's not dead. <laughs> Why'd you kill poor Donald? I'm not going to say poor Donald Sterling. Why did you kill Donald Sterling? The- Are you his silly wabbit? His white hand all man? I'm very uncomfortable right now. His silly wabbit. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those are the recordings. From yeah, the recordings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What was that lady's name? Lee Stiviano or whatever? I, yes. The interview with Baba Walters. That was one of my favorite moments in interviewing history, like of the world. When when she was like, I'm his bunny rabbit. And Barbara Walters goes, <laughs> Barbara Walters goes, yo, what? <laughs> yo, bunny wabbit. <laughs> it's so great. Oh. I'm his right hand arm, man. Um, <laughs> it's so great. Yo, what? <laughs> so the Clippers are leading the West at thirteen and six. The Clippers, yeah. But <laughs> between the one and seven teams, there's only it's only two games separating the 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 first place team and the seventh place team. Both LA teams, right? That you have the Clippers at thirteen and six, the Lakers at eleven and eight, uh, and then a bunch of of really good teams in between that can't get any separation. Warriors fifteen and seven, Nuggets thirteen and seven, Grizzlies, Thunder, Blazers, and then the Kings rounding out the top eight at ten and ten. Spurs tied with them. Yeah, we all had that too. <laughs> that the Kings would be tied with the Spurs twenty games in. Yeah, um, and then the te- the Suns and the Jazz are at the bottom, which surprises me because the Jazz basically have the same team. That, that should have beat the Rockets yeah. last year, and they're 14th in the West. Well, but, but here's the thing. There's only one very bad team in the West. The There's Suns. The Suns. They're 4-15, and 15, okay? There's like six or seven bad teams in the East. 
every other team, teams 1 through 14 in the West, are right around or just above 500. The talent is so good in the West that no one can get separation, right? So you got the Jazz at 9 and 12, the Clippers at 13 and 6, the Rockets at 9 and 10, the Timberwolves at 10 and 11, surprisingly the Mavs. Nine, there's, it's, it's almost too much, so much talent that no one seems very good. It's, it's that weird kind of paradox, right? Okay, so because they're all playing each other all the time and all the teams are so close, none of the teams look like they're that good of a team because all those records are going to stay right about where they are. It's kind of what you're saying? Yeah, there, there's there's a high degree of parity because these teams are loaded, right? And the teams that aren't loaded, like the Clippers, are like getting maximum effort and maximum uh, uh, play from, from, from their players. And so um, I don't know if this can hold for an entire season. We're a quarter of the way in. Super interesting what's happening so far. Uh, let's check back in like in January and see if any of these teams have separated themselves. Steph Curry's out. So once he gets back, do the Warriors go on a big run? And I, I think even though they've won the last three, I think Steph Curry being out has shown how important he is to that offense. Yeah. He really, things get really bogged down when he's not in there. Another thing I wanted to talk about, Jimmy Butler hitting another game winner in a very similar fashion is incredible. I mean, he seems like he is just so happy. Loving so life. He's just <laughs> thrilled to be there. What happens now to Markel Fultz, who's not with the team, who's getting reevaluated um, in a really weird situation? It's like his his uh, his agent and his attorneys are getting things moving when it comes to like being reevaluated medically and stuff like that. It's just mm-hmm. all a really weird situation. It seems like he's going to be leaving Philadelphia, which I think makes sense when you have Jimmy Butler there. Yeah, it, it, it's almost uh, you know reminiscent of what Ka- happened with Kawhi last year, mm. except that you're not talking about a two-time defensive uh, player of the year and finals MVP. Perennial all-star, yeah. Right? You're talking about Markel Fultz, who to this point has not loved, lived up to uh, to the hype that he came with coming out of college. Um I hate to throw around the word bust because... I don't. I think he's a bust. <laughs> At this point in time, yes. Um, he, and like, I see yeah. what you're saying. Like, he could mature and grow into a better player. Mm-hmm. He could end up being a great NBA player. But yeah. as of right now, the Sixers are not getting their investment back. At all. Not even close. Even even someone like Lonzo Ball, who had a lot of hype, and whose who's, who's shot is, is still not developed to where you would want it to be. Just like I said. Uh, he's still a very effective NBA player. And when he's on the court, his team does really well. He what's does it, all the other things that you would want a basketball player to what's do. What's his plus minus? Uh, I, I could not tell you off the top of my head. But getting back to Fultz, just looking at number one draft picks, uh, you, you see this a lot where number one draft picks end up being bust, right? It's not, it's not super uncommon in the NBA or NFL or really any professional sports league. You're, you're guessing based on what they've done in college or high school and um, it's not an exact science, but it tends to be more exact with guards. If you look at the number one picks over the last 35 plus years, um, the last guard drafted number one to not make an all-star team was John Lucas in 19, drafted in 1976 by the Houston Rockets. I don't, really, I don't know anything about John Lucas, and that's probably because... Uh, he never made an all-star team. He didn't make an impact in the NBA. I don't know if he was hurt. I don't know what happened to him. He's the coach at Georgetown now, I think. Is that right? I think so. Okay. So the last time, yeah. So looking at the NBA draft, all number one picks going back to 1976, 
only one who was a guard drafted overall number one not make the all-star team john lucas 1976 in that same time frame you've had 11 forwards and centers drafted number one who have not made an all-star team and so it's much more common for these big men to get drafted on athletic athleticism you know potential they're not as developed because the center position can often often take a little bit more time to learn because these players are not fully grown into their bodies yet or they were clumsy in high school because they grew too fast but you see potential there and so you take you uh you take a little bit more risk drafting a big man but if it pays off like with a Shaq or David Robinson Tim Duncan it really pays off and I think of it this way you're not going to take a guard unless you know for sure it's a slam dunk yeah. pun <laughs> intended but unless you have a slam dunk guard, you're not going to pick him, right? And I think that's where it comes from. Yeah, and I think if you polled, you know, all the GMs last year, all 30 GMs, uh, at least 28 of them had Markel Fultz. I think maybe the Lakers still had Lonzo Ball as their number one, and I think the Celtics always had Tatum as their number one, which is why they were comfortable trading the number one pick and going down to three because they thought they could still get Tatum. And so, but every other team, I think, would have happily taken Mark happily taken Markel Fultz, which makes this so bizarre, so perplexing. Usually when you see that bust, it's like, there's a debate. Is it Greg Oden? Is it Kevin Durant? Uh, let's go for the big man, right? Uh, but yeah, so so this is just, uh, it's I wouldn't say uncharted territory because it's happened before, but it hasn't happened in a long time where you draft a guard number one and and they're just a bust. So uh, you mentioned that we played some ping pong over Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember I had some I had some good rallies. I had some good runs. Okay. But when it came right down to it, I still haven't beat you a game yet. Yeah. How does that make you feel? I don't know. But uh, after today's show, I think we should play a little bit. And I think I have a little bit of an advantage because just like the dart player, I got something brewing and I think it's really going to give me an advantage. <laughs> and we're going to be in an enclosed area. It's in the garage, right? So I'm going to yes. make sure none of the windows are open, none of the doors are open, and I'm going to hotbox you, and then I'm going to beat you. But I will say this. I will say this. I am an honorable man. When I fart, I will tell you. I have my honor to consider. I'm not looking forward to this. Let's go get a W. Let's go get a ping pong W. <laughs>